Well, good evening. Uh, thank you for coming. I'll be preaching on 1 Thessalonians chapters 3 and 4 tonight, uh, over the four weeks. My first sermon will be on 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. So if you'd like to turn there, and uh, we'll do our first reading. What I found in my analysis of 1 Thessalonians was that the main theme I saw was the return of the Lord Jesus in the event we call the rapture. And I saw also a key word is holiness in view of the soon return of the Lord Jesus. And a feature of the book, I saw the love, care and concern that Paul had for the Thessalonians believers. So uh, with that, I'd like to uh, read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. I also read verse 7 to, to uh, give a bit of uh, uh, finality to it. The Bible says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow labourer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labour be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. As an introduction, I'd like to say that uh, Paul had established the Thessalonian church in Acts 17. He had gone first to Philippi. This is the, the, Philippi was the first church that was established in Europe. So it's kind of like a beachhead, like at Normandy, when the Allies invaded Europe. So here we have the gospel coming into Europe, first at Philippi. And uh, there was a great earthquake Paul and Silas and his company were freed from prison and the Philippian jailer was saved, he and his family, and they were expelled from Philippi. The next port of call was Thessalonica. And here, as Paul was wont, he went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And uh, he was there for three Sabbath days and he preached the word to them. And it says that... Uh, Um, of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of the chief women not a few and so the first, this church was established so um, from there he was expelled from Thessalonica and he went down to Berea and thence to Athens and he was there alone because he decided he needed to find out what was happening in the church at Thessalonica because he said he could no longer forbear not knowing what was happening to the church, whether they were standing fast in the, in the faith or not. When it says that he could no longer forbear, it means he could no longer endure it. 
So um, he suffered greatly, but this is something that he just couldn't endure. So he decided to send Timotheus or Timothy back. So um, the mission of Timothy is to establish and comfort the church in their persecutions because Satan was coming against them quite strongly, persecuting the church, especially by the unbelieving Jews. So um, Paul speaks about Timothy's qualifications to go back to uh, Thessalonica. He says he is our brother. That means he is a believer. He is a minister of God. He had the call of God upon his life. And he was our fellow labourer in the gospel of Christ. So Paul had great confidence in Timothy. In writing his letter to uh, the Philippians, Paul praises Timothy. He said he has nobody like him in the ministry. In Philippians 2.20. In Philippians 2.20 he says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. I would say that Timothy had a pastor's heart because he was appointed pastor at the church at Ephesus eventually. So um, Paul was an apostle, but Timothy seemed to have been a pastor. He would naturally care for their state. This care means to be anxious about, to be careful for, to take thought for. And... uh, He uh, had experience with Paul in teaching, preaching the word of God and he was no novice. So so in applying this, I think that we should not appoint people to ministry without adequate preparation. They have done their time in study and preparing for the ministry. I remember when evangelist Glenn Weeks spoke at the at the Bible Institute one night when he was here. When he first got saved, he was raring to go into the ministry. He rang somebody up, a pastor, and said, I want to get involved in the ministry, do this, do this. And he would go into a town or a city, witness in the streets, preach in the streets, start a church and move on and set up a pastor or something. And the pastor said to him, no, I can't use you. You've got to be prepared. He told him, go to, the, go to Bible college when you finish that, come back. And uh, we all know what, what happened with Glenn Weeks. He had a, a ministry around the world that came from that. But he had to prepare first. So even Paul was prepared for the ministry. He w- went into Arabia for three years before he was used by the Lord mightily in the ministry. In Galatians, the first chapter, it states that after he was saved on the road to Damascus, he went into Arabia for three years and was taught by the Lord to receive the gospel by revelation. So um, we don't ordain men just because of academic qualifications or natural gifts or a charismatic personality. We appoint people who are called by God for that who are prepared for it. Now, Paul also shows great care for the churches. And it says in 2 Corinthians 11.28, that the care for the churches came on him daily on top of everything else that he suffered. Second Corinthians 11.28, he 
Previously in this chapter, verse 11 of 2 Corinthians, lists all his sufferings. Beside those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. We should recognise that there's a lot of care that comes on leaders in the churches and we should pray for them and support them. But uh, this care that came upon Paul seems to mean solicitude for or care for with the idea of to apportion, bestow or distribute. So Paul wanted to teach the Thessalonians, he wanted to impart to them his knowledge of the gospel of Christ. And since he couldn't go himself, he sent Timothy. So um, it says that... uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 18, he tried twice to go back to Thessalonica, but Satan hindered him. It doesn't say how Satan hindered him, but we can be assured that Satan did something that would hinder Paul, but he couldn't hinder Timothy going back to comfort and establish the church. So um, the application of that, it is good for us individually and collectively to care about Uh, those around us and for the new believers to make sure that they are established in the faith, that they're disciples, they get baptised, they get taught the word of truth. Also, we should be used by the Lord with our gifts in our ministries because we are in spiritual warfare. And in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8, it says, there is no discharge in that war. We don't get time off. We are constantly in warfare with Satan. Satan came against Paul and his company. He was quite vicious about it. And, uh, and we, we can expect nothing less from Satan ourselves. As uh, Brother Jewel is fond of saying, you'll know when the Lord is finished with you, be standing right in front of him. So we should be constantly, day by day, uh, seeking to do the Lord's will and uh, using our gifts in our ministries. So I alluded to uh, Paul's suffering. My next section is the Paul's, Paul's suffering. He uh, lists this in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. He says that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. Paul reminds them that he must suffer tribulations and afflictions. The Lord, at his conversion, told him how much he must suffer for his name's sake. And it all came to, came to pass. And if you flip back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul actually lists all his sufferings and these are not a list made up out of pride, but this is proving to the Corinthians that he was an apostle. He wasn't boasting about it. I'll just read briefly from Second Corinthians 11, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labours more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. 
Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered, suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And finally, in, in the last few verses, he, uh, in verse 32 and 33, he uh, shares what must have been a humiliating experience for him. He had to escape from Damascus after he got saved by being let down through a window in the wall in a basket. So he was a once proud Pharisee and here he is, no control over his life anymore. He was let down from the wall in a basket. But also he says in chapter four of Second Corinthians that these sufferings are light and momentary. I just wonder how much we would be able to endure of any of those afflictions that Paul suffered. The one that gets me that of the Jews five times he received forty stripes save one. That's five times. I think his back would have been a real mess. And he And he did that for the Lord. Paul says to the church that they should not be moved by his afflictions and tribulations. That their faith should not be shaken by hearing of his sufferings or by enduring sufferings of of their own. The word moved means to wag as a dog wags its tail fawningly. It means to shake or disturb. So Paul is telling them not to be shaken backwards and forwards by the attacks of the enemy, but to be strong. And he reminds them that their sufferings and his sufferings is not a sign that God is displeased with him or them, but it comes with the territory. Being a Christian means you're going to suffer. And... uh, In John fifteen twenty, the Lord Jesus, the night before he was crucified, said, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. He also says in 2 Timothy three twelve, Yea, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I think it, we should not be moved by our trials and afflictions and our persecutions. So um, I think Paul was desirous to comfort and encourage the Thessalonians through Timothy and he succeeded because um, he, uh, Timothy brings back a good report uh, in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 3 5 and 6 For this cause when I could no longer forbear I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labour be in vain 
So um, the tempter is Satan. And just as he tempted Eve in the garden, he causes us to doubt God's word. As he said to Eve in the garden, he said, Yea, hath God said, in Genesis 3 verse 1. So he tries to cast doubt on the word of God. And Paul was anxious, not anxious, but he wanted to know very dearly what the Thessalonian church were doing in their times of persecution and trial. He didn't want them moved. So he sent Timothy back to establish and comfort them. And then he sent this epistle. So the application is we should read, know and trust and obey the word of God, the Holy Bible. It is central in our church services in this church. And I believe the best translation for the English people English-speaking people of the world is the King James Bible. And I think a lot of churches go downhill once they ditch the King James Bible because all the other translations in English are not true to the Word of God. They introduce some kind of error and we go downhill. Paul writes to Timothy, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we're not going to come to perfection, that is maturity, and be thoroughly furnished to, to all, unto all good works unless we trust, read and obey the Bible and put our faith in it, just as the church in Thessalonica was doing. So um, Timothy brings back good tidings of their faith and charity and also their love towards Paul. In verse 6 of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians it says, But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us, always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. I would say that Paul's love for the church was a Christ-like love. It just wasn't put on. It wasn't for show. He wasn't trying to make money out of the Thessalonians or any other church. If he wanted to make money, he wouldn't be in the ministry of an apostle. Most men of God wouldn't be in the ministry at all if it was just for the money, unless you're a false teller evangelist or a false teacher. You can make all the money you want. And uh, Paul is comforted through all this. Just as he sought to establish and comfort the church in Thessalonica, he was comforted himself. Because Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the... in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. For ye are our glory and joy. I think most ministers of the gospel would rejoice to see their church prospering and going on for the Lord. It would be a, a crown of glory for them at the coming of the Lord Jesus. It would be a joy for them to see what God is doing in the church. And I think it, it would... Uh, Great rejoice the leaders in this church to see the church going on for the Lord. 
So I think we should rejoice in our trials and tribulations. The letter to the Philippians is all about joy. But uh, we, should, we should never be bitter and discontented about the trials and tribulations we go through. I think it's uh, summed up by Oswald Chambers in his uh, daily devotional, My Utmost Voice Highest, in September 30 uh, entry, that God wants us to be like poured out wine and broken bread. And he often uses people and circumstances to squeeze us and to break us. Oswald Chambers says you can't drink grapes. You can only drink the wine that comes from them and it requires them to be squeezed. I believe you also can't eat a whole loaf of bread in one go. You need to break it down. So we should be comforted in our trials and tribulations and stand, stand strong in our faith. So um, in conclusion... I would like to say that uh, here we see a great desire of Paul to strengthen the church that he founded in Thessalonica. He didn't leave them to their own devices. He knew the pressure they would come under. Satan would come against them in full fury because this is, it's the second church that, it, that Paul had founded in Europe and Satan wasn't going to take it lying down. So... Um, he took steps to do something practically about it. When he couldn't go himself, he sent Timothy, his most trusted helper. He had no man like-minded. So, um, so and then he wrote this great letter of First Thessalonians, which has been a comfort to uh, Christians down, down the centuries. So um, Paul had a great love for others, even for his own countrymen those who were persecuting him, hounding him around wherever he went. In Romans chapter 9, he said that he could wish himself accursed if that would mean the salvation of his countrymen, the Jews, the unbelieving Jews. So this is a Christ-like love. And it's something that doesn't come easily to most people, that they would wish themselves accursed if... Even our own family members, relatives or friends got saved, let alone our own countrymen. But Paul is a special minister of, of God, a special instrument in his hands. After going through all that he did, he had a new perspective on life. It was all about Christ and knowing him and having the love of God shed abroad in his heart. Paul in 2 Corinthians 7.3 told the Corinthians that he's willing to live and to die with them. He loved them that much even though they were, they were a troublesome church unlike the Philippians and the Thessalonians. He was willing to live and to uh, die for them. That is, yeah, in our hearts to die and to live with you. I think we should take uh, note of that and be willing to uh, live and die for one another. And uh, just be strong in the faith and continue just like uh, I think Pastor Shemus mentioned on Sunday morning. Just continue doing the things that you're doing 
even in, in this age in which we live, when persecution is coming. Thank you.